Welcome back to Mainly Movies, the podcast where we mainly talk about movies. I am Aaron, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, DJ. What is up, DJ? Hello, Aaron. Man, it's good to be back. I'm. It really is good to be back in the studio. We have been on hiatus for a good long while now, and uh, we are back. No announcement. We're just popping up on your feed again, folks. Yeah, I feel like we could spend the whole episode like talking about what's like life's been like. You've got a baby. I moved like we're just doing big stuff and we mm-hmm. could talk about all the movies that we've missed and get caught up on all that. We're not going to do that. So I'm just going to like curve us past all of that past like a 30 minute intro where we get caught up on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, suffice it to say, we talk plenty. You yes. and I keep up. It's not yes. like we haven't talked at all, but we haven't talked as much about movies for sure. Yes. And I, and like I think that's been... been bothering both of us because yes. despite our friendship, you know, based on other things outside of movies, I genuinely value your opinion and like like this dialogue we have. You know, I caught myself in the past, you know, two and a half years we've been on hiatus being like, I don't know if I want to watch this because I don't know if it'll because i want to talk to aaron about it (laughs) and if Uh i don't have the opportunity to do that then maybe i don't want to go out of my way to watch it so you know we're we're hoping to get back on a on a semi-regular basis um you know i i think our plan is going to try and be my time is um you know a little bit (laughs) preoccupied these days but i think i've made the commitment that i'm going to try and at least see one movie a month and you know we're going to talk about which ones on the coming up month you know, I get a sign to go see. You're, of course, free to see however many you want to tell me uh, the many. good and the bad of that. Um, but this month, <laughs> we're talking about a movie that came out in the previous month, but we're talking about Avatar, The Way of Water. I think, you know, despite it being the end of January, this is still a movie that I think warrants some discussion. I think it does, too, for several reasons and one of those reasons is that i cannot find anyone to have a decent discussion about with this movie but everyone's seen it apparently everyone's everyone's seen it it's just people don't have much to say and i think that's really interesting and i think we'll have plenty to say about it but i gotta get that out of the way so yeah we're gonna talk avatar you watched the previous one before we dig into all that i kind of want to like get a feel for how do you consume movies these days like what is your is it like you're planning you circle something on the calendar and you're like okay when this comes to streaming i'm gonna see it because i know you don't make it to the theater much with the little little one that you've got to take care of Mm -hmm. but like what what is your regular movie consumption how has that changed so the problem is is that I still very much like the uh, the act of like watching a movie. And in order to do that, you really do need to like make an effort to go out and set aside time. Like 
you know, when we were doing like mainly Marvel back in the day, I was fine putting that, like watching that in like 30 minute chunks on my phone, like during lunch. But if I'm watching something for like the first time and I want to like really immerse myself in the experience, then I really want to like sit there for like the full duration, you know, no phones, have the lights down and like consume it as, as much of a movie as I can or in the movie going experience as I can. And that is difficult just because, you know, I would say seven times out of 10, baby girl is asleep around eight or eight 30. And then I can set aside time after that and like commit to that. But that's not always a given. And it it's tough to like pause the movie, rock her to sleep, hope she's asleep, then come back and like really get into it. So long form media has been tough. So I am much farther behind than I think even the free time I have uh, would allow, because I think, you know, if you're looking at it on paper, there definitely is enough time, but because I'm still wanting like somewhat of a quote unquote, you know, movie like experience, um, I don't dive in as much as I can or should. Um, so when Grace and I were rewatching, you know, the first avatar, I think we watched it over two nights, which was necessary because it's such a long movie. A long and I, I don't, I don't feel bad about that one. Um, but uh yeah so my movie watching has been sparse so this was the first time i had been in theaters since black panther 2 um but i am glad i went to the theater for it and you know got that theater experience yeah so i think i don't know i think that fits in really well with kind of how i'm feeling these days because i feel like i don't know I, i still like i watched i don't know close to 70 movies this year and i feel like there's a lot of movies where I'm just like, who is this for? What is this doing? Stuff's coming out on streaming. Mm. Some stuff's in theaters and does really well. Some stuff goes to theaters and it's like, well, that was a mistake. They shouldn't have put that in theaters. Some stuff on streaming. It's like, well, this is too good to be on streaming. Mm. I feel like, and there's just kind of this industry wide, like crisis of like, what are we doing here? Movies dying. What's going on. And I think what people are realizing is we, I don't think movies are going to die. Like, I just don't see how that's even possible. But I think it's kind of separating into what constitutes what type of viewing. Like, you have stuff that is pretty, I don't know, it's like you just want to have something on. So you just Mm -hmm. turn something on. You've got stuff where it's like, I want to watch it, but I'm totally fine watching it on my phone over my lunch break or whatever. And then there's certain stuff where it's like, I got to get to a theater to see this because this is an event. Mm -hmm. Like, And I think things are slowly starting to realize that and shape around it. Um, And I think that's why this and I'd say the other big one from this year was Top Gun Mavericks like they've definitely staked their claim as like we are event theater movies right and I don't know then there's the whole Marvel problem of Marvel kind of came and took over what a theater movie is and all of a sudden people are seemingly all at the same time getting kind of sick of Marvel movies (laughs) um Part of it's their own fault. They're just not very good, but that's a whole other issue. But I don't know. I, I just think it's it's a very interesting time since we've last 
recorded of how movies have started to kind of segment themselves. So mm. I'm excited to talk about this one, but I kind of just wanted to set the stage at that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We, it does feel like a different time. And I, I do catch myself. I don't, I'm not sure about you, but I do catch myself whenever something is coming out. I do feel like I can't help, but to like, if it's coming out in theaters, maybe I'll almost hold it in like a little bit higher of regard. Cause I'm like, Oh, someone believes this should be like an event to go see. Whereas mm-hmm. when something's on streaming, I'm like, ah, I can watch that anytime. But I, I don't know if that's necessarily fair because I do think that, you know, sometimes it's not like a big bombastic event movie. Maybe you can get the same experience at home. Cause I, I don't know. I guess it just feels a little short-sighted to, you know, kind of bundle all of streaming together and be like, oh, well, this is just lowbrow stuff that couldn't make it in theaters because I don't necessarily think that's the case. But yeah. it does feel like just the industry right now, like you were kind of saying, is in a little bit of flux. And maybe like these tent poles like Top Gun Maverick and Avatar 2 are going to kind of reset things in a way so that maybe like the next couple of years we start to see more of the big movies and there is going to be a bigger divide between uh, you know movies in theaters and in streaming. I don't know. I guess it just follows where the money goes, but <laughs> I'm sure box office is definitely going to be one of the things we talk about when it comes to Avatar and Avatar 2. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, which is, yeah. yeah, it's obviously done pretty well. It seems like a lot of people have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So do you want to start and talk about uh, maybe what your memories of the first Avatar were and what your thoughts of rewatching it were? Because Abby and I did something similar, which I guess we saw it probably a month ago now. But we we rewatched the original Avatar. I'm pretty sure we divided it across two nights because it's like it's, three three it's, some hours long. Yeah, and you get to a point in the middle where you're just like, okay, I think we could stop <laughs> for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, I felt I felt fine hitting the pause button this time. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, what do you what do you remember from like 2009 Avatar? Because I feel like that's obviously a lot of what this was fueled off of was people's like desire to return to the world. Yeah, I remember I know full well I did not see the original Avatar in theaters. And I saw it like on DVD years later because someone was like, you haven't seen Avatar? I was like, no. And we watched it. I was like, okay. And that was my one and only viewing of Avatar. And I mean, there hasn't been a lot of Avatar since then. So unless I like went out of my way to rewatch it, that was just not media that I consumed again. So watching it again, none of the scenes felt like nostalgic or like things I remembered. It was almost like I was watching it again for the first time. Um but I, I'm glad I did because, you know, I clearly needed to remind myself all that had happened from the first movie. But I, you know, it's interesting. And I feel this way about kind of both avatars. I like them, but I don't. And it's like a big. It's like a big full movie with a lot of like moving parts, but somewhat of a simplistic plot. And I guess because of that, like, I don't find myself thinking about the world of avatar very much mm-hmm. afterwards and i felt that way after the first and i was like oh i wonder if i'm gonna feel this way again and i kind of felt that way about the second one and you know we'll dive into maybe some reasons why as we move along but, but excuse me but that is a strange feeling after spending three hours watching something like you'd expect that after watching like 
an hour and a half, something you just put on string. But I was like, I devoted two of my nights to this uh, watching the first Avatar. I was like, yeah, I just a head nod. And then I kind of just moved on. I didn't like think about Pandora or the Navi or anything else anymore. Um, but what, what was your experience like with the original Avatar and then uh, the rewatch getting prepared for Way of Water? Yeah, I think, yeah, all that's interesting how you how you kind of frame that. Um, I definitely saw it in theaters. Um, I think it was actually my uncle really wanted to see it over like <laughs> Christmas or I don't remember. I think it came out over Christmas. Um, and so I think a bunch of us went and saw it, saw it in 3D. And I think that's what I remember. And I think a lot of people got from it was like, that was the first like, serious 3d movie Hmm. like we'd had like spy kids 3d and like i don't know just some really gimmicky stuff yeah but this was like oh this is like the future of movies we're gonna see more stuff in 3d all the big budget stuff started having their like real d 3d releases alongside the normal ones um and like i i remember the experience of it because it was like visually spectacular to see it in 3d but i do remember it was probably about halfway through i remember like for a couple seconds i had to take the glasses off and just like blink my eyes Mm because i was like i've been in here for a long time (laughs) um yeah but i i remember it was really good i enjoyed it um probably similarly like I don't know, a couple months later, you can barely name any of the characters. You're not really like thinking about what's going to happen next. It like, are the, I don't remember a huge like clamoring for like nowadays, if I see a movie like that, that I really like, you go online immediately after and you're like, is this getting a sequel? Like you're seeing if the studios are going to green light a sequel. It's like, what's the plan for the universe building off of this? Um, I don't really remember any of that with Avatar immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe maybe some of it is that James Cameron announced he was doing the sequel, but it was so far out that no one cared. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I I forget which podcast or who said it, but someone was like, "That's what differentiates Avatar from because I think everyone wants to compare it to like Star Wars or." I don't know, Lord of the Rings or one of these like big arching sagas that everyone gets really into. And it's like, you can name some random creature from Star Wars. You can say like a Gungan and like random people know what that is. Yeah. And like, even now I can sit here and try to think of like what the names of the Avatar creatures are. Uh, I mean, they're more fresh in my mind now, but I just, I don't know. I don't think there are people that are like historians of the Avatar world in the same way there are for those other series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know why that is. I don't necessarily know if that means that it's not as good. I think it's just a different thing. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's something we can talk about. I don't know if James Cameron is a great um, like story like i don't know if he's like a visionary story creator like he doesn't have this like great mind for world building 
um which i mean the like the world building in this is good like it looks great but i think it's a like he's a great visual world builder right but not necessarily a narrative he's not i don't know i i think that's my takeaway from it it's just a different thing yeah yeah i i i feel like i'm lost up with you in that because like there are a lot of shots in especially in the way of water uh, just all the the sections were like they're like half above water half below and like everything looks spectacular and that's great and i think this really just depends on what you as a movie goer are looking for in your movie and you know of course everyone to some degree wants a good plot and wants good visuals and all that sound design and stuff but i think there are different levels of enjoyment that different people have and i think for me like i, I i'm a fan of like visuals and how that can like really enhance the storytelling but i think that i think i have like a, a limit to how much i enjoy that and to some degree i want to like really like hear like a unique take on a story or something and you're talking about how cameron feels like he's more of like this visual direct like visionary visual director i think there's a lot of truth to that especially with the you know burgeoning of you know 3d knockoffs we had after avatar but Maybe it's the the story itself that's not sticking with me. And maybe it didn't stick with a lot of people. Like you said, they're not a bunch of folks that feel like they needed to know all the ins and outs of Pandora or the Navi. Maybe there are now. Maybe there's a big Pandora resurgence. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it if that's the case. Um, yeah. And I, so I think that's the other thing I remember from the first movie is I don't know, probably a couple of years after it came out, when people are kind of starting to revisit it, there is kind of a large criticism of like, oh, this is actually a really hollow story. It's a copy of Pocahontas or Last of the Mohicans or like, like, there's nothing original about this story. And I feel like there are YouTube videos pointing out like how unoriginal it was. I feel like there was kind of a wave of that that came after the fact. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I and I don't know how much that's like colored my perception of the first one. I still enjoyed watching the first one. I think it it still looks really good for having been made 14 years ago. Yeah. Like there's only a handful of movies that are that CGI heavy that I would say look at that level or better. Mm -hmm. Um which is pretty impressive to have I don't know 14 years of development go by and it's still kind of close to the top mm -hmm. um yeah and i i would say i still enjoyed it quite a bit but um yeah so i i think that's kind of where i landed having watched the first one having said all that my excitement for the sequel was very high really okay i I don't know exactly why it may just be like this year was a bit devoid of big budget. Um, like, I don't know. The Marvel stuff is clearly waning. Um, I think there's quite a bit of just sequel fatigue in general of everything is a sequel or a remake. This is clearly a sequel, but it felt a little more fresh just because it's been so long since it has been made. Mm -hmm. Um and I think just knowing like James Cameron, he's been waiting to get this new technology ready to like make this movie another visual spectacle. Um, I, I think my anticipation for that was pretty high.
Okay. Yeah. Uh, did we know, like, at what, I feel like every year since like 2017, we've been getting like, oh, Av Avatar 2, Avatar 2. Like they, I don't know how old the um, uh, Ryan Gosling SNL sketch uh, <laughs> for Pirates uh -huh. is, but it feels like that was like a couple years ago now that, like, did we know going into 2022 that we were getting Avatar The Way of Water? I think this year was like the only year that we have known it's actually coming this year. Okay. Cause I, the original release date was supposed to be like 20. I, it's something ridiculous. I, I need to pull up the, um, originally scheduled for December, 2014. <laughs> oh boy. Well, that is crazy. Uh, they That's missed nine the mark by quite ago. a bit. Yeah, and I mean, every time it would be like the year before then, you find out it's pushed back two more years. Mm -hmm. So then it would be like 2016, and then it would be 2017, and then it was like 2018, 2020-ish, and then COVID happened. It's like, we're never getting these movies. And meanwhile, he kept adding additional sequels. It's like, oh, he's going to do Avatar 2 and 3. And it's like, 3 already? <laughs> and then it was like, actually, there's 5 in the series. And everyone's like, how are there possibly 5 of these? Um, but, I mean, he's had 14 years to think about it. So I'm sure he was like, well, yeah. what if we could like get a little more story here? And like the, I'm sure the world has kind of like coalesced in his mind to where he's like, I've got the story for 5 of them, but I just, yeah, I think that's been the ongoing thing with this is like it's been delayed for almost a decade, um, which is just, I mean, that's every movie that's coming out still is like, yeah. oh, this was supposed to come out four years ago or something. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I don't I don't even know if like the delays is really what built the hype for me. I think it was just like to have a movie like this that I knew was going to be something different than what we have been seeing okay yeah th that's definitely fair and i mean a movie as big as this i think kind of warrants that um i don't know if i was necessarily excited but i think that's just because you know i hadn't been in the habit of going to see a lot of movies so i i at this point tend not to watch a lot of trailers or i'm vaguely aware of what movies are coming out just because i'm interested still but i wouldn't necessarily get excited for them um, but I was following along this box office because I was so curious how I was going to do. We've never really had like a case exactly like this where we've had a movie that made all the money and then just <laughs> nothing for like 14 years. Not a spinoff TV series, not a spinoff movie. And then we get a sequel and to see how that's going to do. And it's been interesting to watch. And I mean, we're going to talk about that, but I mean, this is only a snapshot in time. Um, we're recording this January 30th, and at least I saw this, what, two days ago, and the theater was full. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, wow. I don't think this is going to stop anytime soon. Uh, so, yeah, that's interesting to hear that it's still full. I, th I think it is. I think a lot of people have this on their list to see. And it's kind of like, well, I know this is going to be in theaters for a month or two. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think everyone had to go see it christmas week or whenever it came out yeah um yeah i'm curious how many people are going back for a second time 
Now, I, um, I don't know if I quite would understand that. <laughs> this is a long well, I, movie. <laughs> I mean, that's that's I same thing with Top Gun Maverick. It's like people were seeing it three and four times. Yeah, that's true. Um, again, a little different because it's not quite as long. But um, I am very curious. I want to know what you thought of Avatar The Way of Water. So at the very beginning of this conversation, you said that it was difficult for you to have like in-depth conversations with people who saw this movie, despite there being a large number of people who saw it. And man, I kind of get it because <laughs> I liked this movie. I enjoyed the visuals and the story and the family aspect. I'm curious to see where it's going. I thought the like middle of the movie where there was a lot of world building for the new tribe and like seeing the family assimilate to this tribe and everything kind of, you know, fish out of water sort of thing. thought it was entertaining. Very entertaining, but and I don't want to say shallow because that feels like the wrong word, but it does feel like I don't have like a lot of depth to talk about with the movie. And I saw it and I liked it, you know, cried at the end. But yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because despite watching this for three hours, going out of my way to see it, I liked it, but it's it's I, I don't have like a lot to like latch on to. I feel like it was very much. Uh, it feels like a disservice to call it like a popcorn movie because that, but that's kind of my feelings for it. I was like, I enjoyed it. This is well done, had some cool shots, but I don't think I'm going to be thinking about the way of water very long. And maybe that's a, uh, a unnecessary criteria, but I do like movies that like something like sticks with you, you know, e either really cool action or like some, um, thought-provoking choices the characters made that have me thinking about things but <laughs> none of that really feels like it stuck with me but that all sounds negative but I liked it I this very much felt like a big loud movie like one of the very beginning scenes when the humans are coming back they show like the fires from the rockets destroying the villages and it was at that point that I was like man this is a movie <laughs> because you have like this big wide perspective of this huge rainforest just being incinerated by the fire. And there are so many shots like that, that made me appreciate the fact that I was in a theater seeing it. Um, but that only sticks with me for so long, unfortunately, but overall I liked it. I'm curious to get into it, but uh, first of all, what did you think of the way of water? Um, I, I think I'm, I'm, coming closer to where you're at i think unfortunately for me i think i started a little higher on it mm. and the more i've talked to people and the like further away i've gotten from seeing it the more i am like it was really good i thought it was it was well done i thought he definitely like accomplished what he set out to do but i think i i agree it's not it doesn't elevate itself into like, that was great. Mm. And I think what was different with the first one was no one had ever seen anything like this. It was like these blue people <laughs> in a completely made up world. That's entirely like computer graphics. Like it's not real. Like right. and, uh, almost none of it is real. Um, and it was in 3D, like just the technology of it was mind-blowing. And I think he tried to do something where it felt like another level up in terms of visual spectacle. And I think it was like great to look at, but I don't think the increase in like visual um, like stimulus was enough of a jump that people are talking about that and they're going to remember that about the movie. 
Mm -hmm. I think they're going to remember like, man, when you went underwater, it looked really great. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, I, I, I do agree. I don't know if it's going to stick, but I, I guess the question I want to eventually get to, and we can talk about more of what happened in the movie is like, does that have to be the criteria for every movie? Um, Cause I think despite a lot of people being like, pretty ho-hum on the movie i think a lot of people are gonna see a third one and a fourth one like i just think it's it's something that we kind of all go do together is we go see a movie like this and we have a little conversation about it and we can move on and it doesn't have to be this big like marvel thing where everything builds on each other and there's like theories to discuss and like incredible things that happen that you like got to have a 15 minute conversation about breaking it down. Um, it's just a good, I thought it was just a good movie. Yeah. It was entertaining. Mm -hmm. And to be clear, I don't want avatar to like turn into those things you listed about Marvel because you know, we generally still like the MCU and everything, but I think there is a, that comes with a lot of baggage and I, I can't deal with the end. Mm -hmm. It feels like because, the MCU has been so successful that every franchise now is trying to imitate all of that to some degree. So it's nice that this is not doing that. Um, and he's actively trying to not do like, I don't know how many of the James Cameron like interviews and things you've little sound bites you've heard. Um, but I think he does kind of speak directly in, I don't know if competition, but in reference to, marvel and kind of the modern blockbuster um specifically with like uh, i don't know you you mentioned like family is a really strong theme throughout this and like it's it's pretty simple and it's hammered home quite a bit because they mm -hmm. say like family's a fortress a lot and like it's pretty straightforward it's not like something we've never seen before in terms of family dynamics but it is like that's the theme he wanted to include. That's something I think from his like personal life that he wanted to get in there. And he had this whole interview where he's like, yeah, these Marvel characters, like they just don't have any like real stakes. There's no like responsibility. They're all just like college kids. They just go out and have a good time. And there's no one back home that they've got to worry about. And I'm like, okay, like that's a little bit like, okay, boomer, like, yeah you're going off on your own thing and i'm yeah. like starting to think i'm like well hawkeye had a family and like these other characters but it's ripe I, to I, be torn apart and i'm actively not going to do that because i'm going to yeah. assume our listeners don't want to hear that um and but I, it's too much but yeah. i i see like that approach in the movie of he is trying to make these people have like real grounded stakes and for it to be more of like a relatable real thing and i think i appreciate that i appreciate mm -hmm. he's trying to put that in a movie as opposed to like just going for pure spectacle at the cost of like actual human um emotions and stakes yeah but at the same time for a movie this long and that has been delayed this much and with such a large budget and what such fantastic visuals I guess I just wanted to care about the characters a little bit more. And I think within that three hours, we could have reconfigured 
some of the interactions they had with the world to interactions they had with each other. Because I wanted to feel that strong bond between this family, but it felt like the way the film was laid out, we didn't get a lot of time to see them acting together as a family unit. We saw them interacting with the environment and becoming one with that, which I think is important. But I think for us to drive home that that family is a fortress, Sully stick together. I wanted more just like, if we're if we're spending three hours in the movie, I'm, I think we've got time to just have some like a nice like dinner with the family where we can see like their interactions bounce off of each other. But in this case, it felt like the only times we saw the parents interact with their children were when they were like chastising them. And it was hard for us to like understand what like if they were just have what like a normal night would look like for them. And I think that would have really helped endear all this together and really build the foundation upon what I wanted the visuals to like, you know, enhance. Um, and, uh, you know, I, yeah, I just, I feel like if we're going to spend this much time with a movie, I want to like it a little bit more, but I do appreciate what he was going for. And I think what he was going for, I think he was very successful in that. Um, I mean, it's a, a very action oriented movie with the family at the center, these fantastic visuals tying up with the environment i just think we needed to shift the balance a little bit more um for that to help and maybe we have time in the sequels i don't know <laughs> but i guess those are already underway yeah so uh, we can we can kind of breeze through the plot a little bit i'm not gonna try to explain everything that happens but i yeah. think you can kind of divide it into i'm gonna say four sections okay i think the first section that's probably, I don't know, the first 20 or 30 minutes of the movie is kind of this like really fast paced summary of what happened in the first movie. Literally everyone has children. <laughs> yep. What's happened since then, which is everyone's had children and everyone that was dead is not dead. They're reborn in some new avatar form, um, which is kind of a lot to take in. And then also, like... Why is it, though? Because I feel the same way. And I, I described this to Grace, and she was like, wait, they can do that? Like, they can put their memories in an avatar's body? Uh, and, I'm, and I was describing it, I was like, why is this such a tough pill to swallow when, in the first movie, they're just, like, warging into these bodies? Why, why is this harder? Maybe it's because this character actually died. And it seemed like we could have had any... Well... No, not the direction the story went. We couldn't have. But yeah, why Why is this tough? I, and I don't know. This is just pure conjecture. And I don't know if this makes any sense. But I feel like if you look at this compared to like Star Wars, I almost feel like the mechanics of this world are adapted to fit the story that he wants to tell. I, as, you, you hit as, the nail on the as head, opposed man. to like he sat there like i feel like george lucas sat there and thought of this world where there's the force and jedis and like he just solidified those concepts to where they were pretty concrete and then he told the story using them mm -hmm. and like you tweak them and there's like some weird stuff about like metachlorians that doesn't really make any okay. sense yeah, yeah. no 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 <laughs> but it's kind of on the periphery it's like we understand the solid like core things of this just immediately like original star wars like tells you what the force is visually mm -hmm. and you get it and 
I think with this, it's the rules and like the environments of Pandora and like what Pandora even is. It's all pretty fluid because even though the first movie is another three hours long, it's like I still feel like we're so zoomed in on the same group of like 10 people in this one specific area of this one planet doing this one thing. And there's a lot more going on outside of that. And he, I think he's going to, in the next movies, just keep kind of zooming out so he can keep adding more stuff in. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the like storytelling difference from, I think a more classic, like sci-fi or fantasy author type that's going to build their world before they tell the story. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, a lot of things plot wise feel very contrived in the sense that there was an end goal and it felt like they were writing backwards. They were like, we need his family to specifically be threatened. Therefore we have to bring back the person who was like after Jake last time. That's like, I, I, I get that. And if they wanted the family to be the story, then it needs to be the family in danger specifically, not the, you know, colony um, in general. And who else had like a personal vendetta against the Sullys? It had to be Miles Courage. I was just, I was yeah. shocked when he came back. I was like, why? <laughs> like, well, what? and I don't know why, but for some reason that just really feels like, oh, James Cameron must love Stephen Lang and he wants him back in the movie. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like there is any like narrative. I don't know. It's almost like, it's like Star Wars Episode Nine or whatever, where they bring Somehow back Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, but it's like we're already getting that in movie two, where it's mm -hmm. like, why did we need this? Like, couldn't we just have anyone be this character? Why because does it have it, to be the, the guy first from movie, the first movie? And, you know, no offense to Stephen Lang. I think he does a great job in this villain role. I, I genuinely do in both movies. But his character is angry army person mm -hmm. <laughs> I did, we did very not one note which specifically okay. miles gorge so so is so is like palpatine is like angry emperor right mm -hmm. but i can say palpatine and anyone knows who that is i think <laughs> two months ago you could have said who was the villain in avatar one and i would have been like i mean it was like an angry army guy that stephen lang played but i would never have known his name's miles Korich. Like, I don't remember the names of the, like we said earlier, I don't think we're connected to the uh, the world building of this universe enough to connect with the characters, remember their names. Um, I mean, maybe you remember Jake Sully. I absolutely um, did not. I, that's like the one you might remember. But yeah, past that. So yeah, I, I do think this like quick intro where you're kind of zooming stuff in, I think kind of reminded people. And I I do have a hard time thinking if you went into this not having seen the first movie since 2009, that you would probably start checking out probably 30 minutes in because you're just yeah. like, oh, this is too much. Yeah, four kids immediately, one of them who is an adopted child from grace augustine uh-huh there was a yeah. lot going on and then yeah, spider Sigourney this random Weaver. child who you knew had to be yep. important there's a lot going on yep and i think what you said like it was written backwards i think that kind of makes sense because a lot of the characters have these emotional moments at the end of the movie 
And it's like, okay, these are like cool moments that each character gets to have. But I didn't have any connection to them until they had their moment. Because there were so many characters, I'm like, who's important here? Like, who do I care about? Because, like, the, I don't know, and I have to even check to see the names of these, but there's the two older brothers, um, there's the Sigourney Weaver adopted child, there's the little girl, um, and then there's Spider, and that's kind of our gang of five kids. Mm-hmm. The parents really don't do much. Um they're basically just parents this you can tell that this had some disney ties to it (laughs) because i feel like for everyone anyone's favorite disney movie there's a straight to vhs sequel that came out where your favorite character has tongue and to kind of a crappy parent (laughs) that's just every disney movie in the world Mm -hmm. and i know because my wife loves those sequels um but it, it was that definitely felt like the case here and Man, I it felt like such a missed opportunity for some of those things because in the very beginning I was like, there are too many kids. I don't know their names because <laughs> they did that weird thing where there was just Jake was like, you know, uh Navi now sounds like English. And they had like that a screen effect and the subtitles went away. And I was like, uh-huh. I'm gonna need those for the kids. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and I guess, you know, spoilers for the end of the movie. But when the uh, oldest child dies and they're like crying over him, I was like, I wish they had one scene where they were just like hanging out with their son and not being mm-hmm. like, you got to watch your older brother. Because that's, that's their only interaction. And yeah. it's it's kind of sad. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's kind of what I'm getting at is at the end of the movie. That's when it becomes clear because I could see that coming from, I don't know, 30 or 45 minutes away is like, OK, We've learned some defining facts about most of these characters. All we know about the older brother is that he has to watch out for the younger brother. He's going to die. He's absolutely going to die. It's just he's like the red shirt in the group that's just like (laughs) destined to not make it to the next episode. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it it is. Yeah, just kind of strange how that was structured. And I, I, I think it's also weird. A lot of people caught on to that i think a lot of people are kind of looking past the movie into how the story's being told mm. and i don't think that's worked out as great for it no um okay so so act one was kind of the like here's our band of kids they're no longer welcome in the forest so they have to fly off to um this water tribe and it's clear it's like that's where he wanted to get was he wants movie two to be water tribe with all these kids and yeah it's like, okay. because was there ever a conversation amongst the family like we're going here like it just I felt feel like, like they, they were, were like, going and yeah, we knew they were that kinda, they were going to they the water like tribe put up a protest and they were like nope we're going and then they're on the backs of the things and they're gone mm-hmm. um which is like it's avatar way of water we got to get there but it does just feel like the first 30 minutes is like we got to get there we're just churning to try to get there Mm -hmm. there is the one like um scene where they take down a train that's like the one action scene in the first section um oh okay i wanted to ask did you see the movie one did you see it in 3d uh, no, uh, the available times for me to see it were seeing it regularly at 830 or seeing it at 1030 3D. And okay. I simply could not go to the uh, which 1030. Is, uh, yeah, I don't I don't expect you to do that. Um, 
And I don't think with the 2D showings that they are able to do high frame rate. I, I don't believe so, no. I don't think so. Because so that's kind of the one like visual thing he tried to upgrade with was incorporating high frame rate and regular frame rates. Okay. And that's something I think you would have missed with not seeing it in that format, which I don't think is like a big enough deal, but the like the train scene is the first time where it was like noticeable to me of like, oh, this is this feels different. Um, and okay. it's really hard to explain what that even looks like because I don't know. I knew that like the movie had some high frame rate stuff in it. And when it was happening, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just <laughs> kind of like something changed here. Okay. Um, so the movie goes between like normal movie and then in the action scenes. I don't I don't even know how to explain it. A lot of people say it's like you're inside a video game. I don't know what that means. I have a VR I, headset and I don't know. What I don't means. know. <laughs> it, it, it's it like your brain just processes it slightly differently. So is this a different technique than what they did with the Hobbit? So I think the Hobbit was entirely in high frame rate. Okay. I think you so could see it either entirely contrast. in high frame rate or yeah. you could see it in regular frame rate. And I never mm. saw it in high frame rate. But I okay. remember a lot of people complaining that they didn't like the way that <laughs> HFR looked. Like it looked too cheesy or something. Uh, yeah, so I, I did not see it in this in high frame rate. But I the um, use of it does intrigue me because I think that juxtaposition of like normal frame rate during just dialogue and then high frame rate during action seems like it would be see, seems interesting uh, so I, I'm a little sad I missed out on that um, but it sounds like it, it worked for you at least yeah and like I, I thought it was cool and interesting and I think that's probably what makes the movie like that's part of what my anticipation was just to see like what that means um, it's not like mind blowing though it's a very subtle thing, but it does feel like this will be, I don't know. And I hesitate to even say this because I think this is exactly what happened with 3D with the original Avatar was like, everyone was trying to sell a 3D TV after that because mm. they were like, oh, this is the future. We're all going to need 3D glasses when we watch TV. <laughs> ESPN briefly had an ESPN 3D channel. Wow. For Interesting. I think that lasted like a month or something for they were like, this is expensive and no one's buying it. Um, I think the HFR stuff is a small enough thing and an actual practical thing that I think it'll, it'll creep its way into like more actiony type movies. Okay. But I don't know if there's a use for it outside of 3d. I would, I don't know. Maybe there is. And I just don't know, but well, I think I if, it's, we'll if it's limited to 3D, again, I don't think it's going to have a very wide appeal because who sees movies in 3D? <laughs> um, yeah, but I just wanted to say that because that was the that train scene was kind of the first time that you really see that in action. Okay. Um, and that was kind of his big innovation, I think, for this one. Hmm. Um, okay, so that's that's Act 1. Act 2, I would say, is basically from when they arrive at the Water Tribe um, until uh, 
things start kind of turning south. So mm-hmm. this is kind of the like discovery of this water world. It's very much like this is the magic of the first movie. Yeah. Is like the wonderment of the world. Um just like assimilation ex- exploring. to how it works and yeah all the creatures all the plants all yeah and it's just like this is this is why these movies exist because mm-hmm. it's the visual it's just the like sense of awe you feel like you're at i don't know a disney park like a zoo or something just like looking around and taking all the like beauty of it in Mm-hmm. I think James Cameron wanted us to feel like Kiri felt <laughs> this yeah. section of the movie where she's just, you know, vibing with the plants underwater. Yeah. And it's like, that's why that character existed. Mm-hmm. Like, again, kind of writing backwards is he wanted a character that was kind of in tune with like the nature and the the world um, and kind of saw it through like these childlike eyes. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that's effective, but it is like that's what the character's for. So yeah. um I don't know. What what stood out to you from the water world? Like <laughs> the is there thing... anything that's gonna like stick with you for an extended period of time, or is it kinda like that was cool? Yeah. Um you we got that uh I, I think this was a scene in the trailer, uh, but it's where Jake is first trying to like ride one of um uh the water tribes. It's like the animal that like dives underwater and then kind of like skirts mm-hmm. on top of it. Very cool design for the animals and like him like put, strapping the rope to his hand, like you know Captain America shield mm-hmm. with like the leather and everything. That that was a very cool shot. All the water flowing over it. I was like, man, this all looks real and it's all fake. Mm-hmm. Like that's really impressive. Um, but I was sad that we didn't get more of Jake like figuring stuff out again. And I don't think we saw Natiri do anything. This entire time. No, I, I don't they save her single... to cry about the child at the end. Yeah. It's like, that was like her one thing is they're like, Zoe Saldana, we need you to do a, a nice big cry here. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I honestly, I thought her character's arc was going to be the most interesting because, you know, children are pretty adaptable. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't so long that they were learning like the ways of the forest. So it took them time to learn the way of water. But I, you know, assumed they would get there. Jake had gone through this, you know, you know, 16 years ago, but he learned, you know, how to assimilate to a new culture. Natalia was someone who had never or Natiri was someone who had never had to do that before. So I was like, how is this going to go for her? She's already a little bit resentful. They're here in the first place. Maybe that's going to really drive a wedge between them. thought that would have been an interesting way to go for a character, but she just disappears. Yeah, it kind of just turns into like a like a vacation movie. Mm-hmm. and the focus is only on the kids and the parents uh-huh. only show up to chastise them uh-huh uh, there's a yeah. little bit of teen angst and stuff yeah this was all fine it felt like again like i appreciated all of like the t- the touches to like dealing with the landscape and the world and everything but if you want the foundation to be family i think there needs to be more effort to like show those inner familiar dynamics like i knew the older brother and the younger brother, I knew how they treated each other, but that, that was about it. Yeah. And I also thought Kiri's name was Kitty for three-fourths of the movie. Well, they like pronounce it with an accent and you don't yeah. have the subtitles in Papyrus to help you out. I needed those subtitles. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, also, the like mother of this uh, water tribe is voiced by Kate Winslet. 
and I knew she was voicing someone in this movie, I was just like, I can't tell who it is because this just didn't sound like Kate Winslet at all. And I'm like, at that point, why did it need to be Kate Winslet? I don't think I know what Kate Winslet sounds like. Uh, because I like when she was on screen, I was like, maybe I know who this person is. I mean, she's British. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for some reason, everyone seems to know this fact that Kate Winslet like set a record for holding her breath. I did like, not know that during the filming of this movie. That seems which, potentially dangerous, but okay. Also, like unnecessary, right? Like how? I don't know. That just made me question, like how much underwater like shooting were they actually doing? Huh. Um. I I guess she's underwater with the big whale thing for a bit, the right? Tulkoon. Thank you. I I was desperately That's like searching up and down I this Wikipedia page, and all tulkoons. I was seeing was nonsense. And I was like, I don't just give me the name. Yeah, and I remember that because the entire third section that I'm referring to of this movie is about the plight of the Tolkien and Tolkien hunting and save the whales is basically what I would call the third section. Yeah, and I think this is where a lot of people dropped out. That's fair because at this point the parents disappear. <laughs> completely um i mean we get the pretty thrilling sequence of uh what's his name loak uh loak um you know being abandoned by uh the other kids and he's being chased by some sea creature which mm -hmm. did look pretty terrifying and then yeah. is saved by another terrifying creature and that bond i thought was really well formed Maybe we didn't need as much time with them swimming around <laughs> and stuff. I, I'm sorry. This movie was over three hours. I'm looking for some fat to trim. And I, um, I so I think that's the problem is I think I think he indulged a little bit too much with this section of it. Like mm -hmm. James Cameron loves the water. We all Great. know that he's done his deep sea dives. Um, <laughs> like he, he just like this is what he wants to be about is just yeah. like sea exploration and a connection with the world and with nature and just like seeing that in harmony and disharmony and like all of that stuff. He loves all that stuff. Um, I have a proposal to maybe help these movies. Okay. And that is to put an intermission in the middle. I know it sounds like silly these days, but like they used to do this in movies. Really? Like you're going to see like, a picture show or whatever and like a play you had an intermission you like go use the bathroom and get a snack i yeah, think i mean when you put it like that it feels like that would be beneficial for movie theaters i could definitely see people up in their popcorn and stuff halfway through a movie and the section i hate to say it this is where i did check my phone i was like how long has it been yeah, like i was and, just like it's a lull and i think it's like people were enjoying the movie Mm -hmm. I don't think people were like angry at the movie. I think it was just too much for too long. And yeah. I think if you had a little break in there before the whale section starts and you can kind of take a breather, you can co kind of discuss like what you're thinking of the movie with people. And then you get back into it. You're back in the water. You see the whales and then, because it's kind of like we get this whale section and then there's like a whole ending hour of the movie that's all this like prolonged battle. Mm -hmm. um, I think you would be more like ready for that if you got a break in there. 
and like you said, like when we both watched the first one, we watched it in two parts. And I think that significantly helped my viewing experience. I think if you had forced me to watch the whole thing in one sitting, I think I would have got really antsy. I would have pulled out my phone. <laughs> yeah. I would have not paid attention to the like second hour of the movie. Um, I just think that's inevitable. So I know, I don't know. I'm sure James Cameron would rage against that and say like, people just need to have patience or whatever, but I, I don't know. Right. I, yeah, I'm maybe. okay. If you want to make a three hour movie, but you gotta, you gotta understand if people get a little itchy during hours two and three. Are these movies going to keep getting longer? Like is Avatar the way of water longer than Avatar? Uh, it might be, it's right around the same length, I gotta think, but they're not gonna get shorter, I can almost guarantee you that, because yeah. I think that's, that's obvious from this movie, is he wants to stuff as much as he is possibly allowed to into these movies, because he has so many, like, visual things he wants to do, he has so many places he wants to explore, um, I just think we're gonna keep getting that, because I don't think there's much of an edit happening on these movies, Oh my gosh! I, I so I was scrolling up and down the Wikipedia. Uh, Avatar was 162 minutes, uh, according to Wikipedia, and then The Way of Water this is, is a half hour longer, 192 minutes. Insane! But while scrolling, I'm sorry, this is going to derail us so much. Colonel Miles Corge is going to be the main antagonist in all four sequels. Yeah, the fact that that's already Why? like been announced, I don't understand that why yeah i and that removes some of the intrigue of going to see yeah. the movies you want to see who the family is going to be up against at this point i i was surprised it was courage this time but that's I'm just gonna be I, confused next time i really don't think james cameron is as interested in telling the story of people fighting a boss and building up to an even bigger and better boss as he is of like exploring the world and showing like the struggles of the world against like colonization and he can accomplish all that with the same guy. So he's just going to keep using him, which I think is ridiculous, but it also explains why at the end of this movie, it seems like Quaritch is going to die again. And for some reason, spider goes down there and pulls him up brings him on land and then is just like huh and he walks away from him um can we talk about spider for a let's little bit let's talk about spider because up until that moment i was about to be like yo spider is a real one like <laughs> because you know he has this why did spider have to be this guy's kid not everybody needs an offspring <laughs> i, I just it, 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 it very much like palpatine where at the end it was like raise your granddaughter i was like I don't like this. I don't yeah. like thinking why do, about it. Why do like the this. 10 characters in this story all have to be interconnected three different ways? Like, yeah, can't yeah. we just have like different families? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seemed unnecessary. I agree. And honestly, Spider's character up until towards the end, I was just like, I could go without this guy. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was, man, so much in this movie and yet not enough. In the very beginning where Jake is talking about, uh, I think he refers to Spider as a stray cat. I was like, well, that's a little rude. Because, I mean, like, you are still, like, an outsider into this tribe. Like, you should be cool mm -hmm. with this little human guy who clearly has no one else to be with. 
And then Natiri was just like, he should be with his own kind. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what is happening right now? Your husband transformed himself. He was a human. Like it's, and I guess you're pretty far removed from that now. But that was like, that line kind of came out of left field for me. And then, you know, at the very end where she's like threatening him, I'm like, I was like, I feel like they needed to build to this more than that throwaway line in the very beginning. Like have her say something you know, off-putting about Spider or something, but because he's not there, we don't get that interaction or anything. So it kind of feels out of left field. Um, uh, I thought Spider was an interesting character. I just didn't need him to be uh, Quarch's son. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I think if if they had, I don't know, added two kids in this movie and Spider, I think it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there's four kids plus the their like new tribe counterparts plus spider. It's just yeah, it's too many people to keep track of. And so you don't form a connection with any of them really. Yeah. Far too many. Far too um, many. Uh okay, yeah. so yeah, so the last hour well, okay. Did you have anything to say about the save the whales section? Because oh. I think <laughs> I've talked to several people that it's like if they didn't like the movie, this is probably what turned them. That's interesting. I want to get to that. <laughs> just, just because I think they did not care to to watch this long drawn out scene of like how the whales were hunted. Hmm. Okay. So I I liked that scene in the sense that like. I thought they did a really good job, like, walking us through all that they had to do to take down one of them. And, you know, like, they kept showing, like, glimpses of, like, spiders, like, horrified face. And I was, like, right there with them. I was like, this sucks. Like, all of this that we're doing just to take down one of these creatures. I was like, I think it really helped, you know, bring to light the colonialism aspect of the humans that was kind of missing from this movie so far because for the majority of this movie we don't really talk about like what the humans are doing how they're expanding we're talking about how Korch is after Jake's family and those two goals didn't seem to necessarily be the same so I think it was useful to remind us that yeah us humans are really messing up this ecosystem look at all the technology at our disposal just to like dig into like their brain juice um so none of that really bothered me i i think it i think it did a good job reminding us that like the humans here are alien and are actively damaging things because before that we had spent a long time with Korich, and you know at that point he was like somewhat endearing himself to spider and that was the only you know, quote-unquote human interaction we had so i i didn't mind this um yeah i i think it Maybe there's just something universal about like nature versus machine, like big creatures destroying machines that is part of the appeal for Avatar. But when the Tolkien is like destroying the boat at the very end, I was like, yeah, this is great. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're getting this. And I don't think we would have got that same punch if we wouldn't have had a prolonged hunting scene before. No, I, I agree. And I actually thought like the... I don't know, the visual storytelling of the like whale hunt going into the final fight was 
pretty effective of just mm -hmm. like it was pretty engaging it felt like that's where james cameron's pretty comfortable um i feel like he in a lot of movies he like has these like blue collar workman kind of guys like the guys that were on the whaling ship that are like oh they just like know their job and they're just kind of like oorah like those mm -hmm. guys in the marine uh navi that are following uh Korich's guy around it's like those are just james cameron characters yeah um they're just like i don't know they're not like manly men but they're they're just kind of like dudes <laughs> they are dudes uh -huh. um so one part about the middle of me i want to talk about courage okay this might be my least favorite part of the movie i hated how he was able to end up riding one of the flying creatures because it feels like it it feels like it goes against everything we just watched in the first movie. It how Jake had the to experience. like, yes, how Jake yeah. had to like really start from square one, learn the language, learn the customs, figure out how to really be one of the Navi, be one of these people, and then this rite of passage that the warriors do, getting one of these riding creatures, and he does it, and it's it's cool. He makes the bond, and it's like it's a worthwhile moment. And then just to have these chuckle jawheads come in and do the exact same thing really felt like it was cheaping it, cheapening the experience because there was no like acknowledgement like that they tricked these beasts or that they had to like humble themselves and actually learn like how to be one of the forest people. Nope, they just overpowered the things. And I was like, this, this sucks. Like this isn't what, this is not the reality that the first movie sold me. Yeah, well, yeah. I think if I'm playing James Cameron, I think he would say that was the point was like it was a cheap way to do it because I think that scene from the first movie of him conquering the, the Banshee, I don't remember what the not like the Pandora I, name for him are, yeah. but and then his first flight on it, that was like one of the hallmark moments of the first movie. And I think to kind of have a guy that comes and like uses a cheat code on that, um, I think is supposed to make us not like him. But he doesn't use a cheat code. Like he just goes and does it like everyone else. He just wrestles it and flies off just like everyone. If they wanted this to be effective, I think they would have needed to show some way that they cheapened the experience. Like they needed to show them using some like sonic stabilizers. Then they make the bond and then get on it that way. Anything that would have showed us that it was more than just doing the exact same thing Jake did. And, but they, and they were successful. I think that, the end result can be the same, but it, the way they went about it seemed to be basically a one-to-one. -one. Like, he went up, punched it, and was riding it. I was like, this... If we wanted to show that these were, like, not people who are really engaging themselves into the Navi world, I think there is a way to do it. It really rubbed me the wrong way. And, yeah, like you are saying, if that was the intent, then well done. But I, I think the execution could have been a bit better. Okay. No, that's fair. And I think there's also this piece of it where they kept kind of trying to, I don't know if soften, but to make this, ver the Navi version of Quaritch, like slightly more palatable than the original human version. Mm -hmm. Like he kind of takes spider under his wing even though it is like for nefarious purposes there is still kind of like a connection between them 
he is like somewhat like I don't know. He doesn't like respect the like Navi way, but he's a little more willing to participate in it. He's not quite as like I don't know. It's almost like the first Korich was like racist towards Navi. <laughs> and there were there were a few instances of the word savage being thrown around yeah. in the first movie. And now this one it's like, oh, isn't it interesting that now he is one of them? And so now he's kind of like internally processing what that means and he's enjoying the abilities it gives him, but he's still like been on this mission. So I think there is a little more like, oh, he's he's changed a little bit. I don't know. I don't think there's enough of it because it's still like we don't like this character. This is the character that we're not supposed to like. Um, but it did seem like he was trying to put some like nuance in there because he's clearly like, this is my guy for five movies. So I think he's trying to make him a little more interesting. Maybe, but, but yeah. as soon as he threatens children, I'm like, oh, well, he's irredeemable. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Because he wasn't yeah. at the end of the movie. He's at the end of the movie. Jake and his family are not part of like the resistance fighting the humans. So I was a little bit like, why? Why do they even care where these guys are? Um, yeah. At this point, he's just doing it for revenge. I was like, oh, he's unredeemable. But we're going to have him for X amount more movies. So, yeah, I, guess I better get over it. Um, yeah, but yeah, just want to talk about that before we get to the last section. Is there anything before we get to the last big section you wanted to mention um, or discuss? How did you feel about the whale brain juice granting eternal life? I thought it, uh, he said what ounce for ounce is 80 million. I was like, that seems pretty cheap for something yeah. that stops the aging process. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it stops aging, which I don't know. It was like, okay, we've got away from unobtainium, which everyone <laughs> thought was a cheesy part of the first movie. I love And we've moved on to something that's almost equally cheesy. It's like whale brain juice that stops aging and it goes for $80 million an ounce. And yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's like, it's like, why did we, I guess just because like, you can't have unobtainium be the focus underwater or I don't know why I don't, not. <laughs> but, I don't know. But is it like every movie we're gonna have this new like object of fascination of the like human world where they're like, ah, whales are yesterday's news. Now we're after lava rocks or something. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I was about to say whatever fire animal they end up being yeah. chill with. Yeah, um, and I, I, I think that's another piece that bothered people about the, the whale section was just like, what what was this like brain juice thing? It was just dumb. I don't know. Um, okay, final final act, big battle. Went on for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, there was the part where the whale jumps up on the boat. There's the whole like swarm of the like flying creatures coming up out of the water. That was cool. That was really cool. Um, I'm trying to think. There's like this very long sequence at the end of like two or three sets of characters are trapped on different parts of this sinking ship. Yeah. And they're like trying to find their way out, which felt like it was Titanic. Um, yeah, I didn't need that. <laughs> yeah, that was like, oh, it seems like we could have cut that because everyone's ready to go home at this point. Um, There's a lot of just like 
I don't know, hand-to-hand fighting between Jake and Quaritch and Natiri gets a little scene fighting and um yeah and then the the older brother dies um protecting the younger brother which is a big moment um and they come together as a family and i would say that's pretty much what happens but what uh what else stood out to you in the third or the final act i think this was too long yeah, uh, it certainly was because it, it's like three act, but split in two by uh, the oldest son's of death. Uh, only thing of note, I thought the big whale attack was cool. Um, that one uh, bad guy who was behind the harpoon getting his arm chopped oh, off yeah. was that excellent. Was a, that was surprising to see that level of violence. Yes, yeah, surprising, but it was excellent. It was satisfying um, though, yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, I love Natiri. I loved having her back. Like the sound effect mm-hmm. of those big arrows, the thunk, like hitting mm-hmm. like all the helicopters even before they were like fully taking off. I was like, great, love to see mm-hmm. that again. Uh, her and Jake's like rage at the very end. Uh, was was cool. I so many different children were on the boat at different times getting stuck and strapped and they made a joke of it like one of the kids was like I'm stuck again I was like it's uh-huh. not funny <laughs> why didn't you just leave you <laughs> everyone remembers no that line help. though it was it was a very like well placed line because I think it was what everyone's thinking they're like yes. didn't we already do this like twice mm-hmm. um then all the water people disappear at some point. I was like, where do you guys go? I, I It was very tough to keep track of everyone. Um, yeah. yeah, quite a large scale, I would say. Large, but also small. This was like one boat. <laughs> it, it is, but it feels like it. the boat is like five miles long. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. We haven't talked about Black Panther 2. Which have you seen? Have you seen? Mm-hmm. I assume you've seen it. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Um, I think, in contrast to the final water battle in Black Panther Two, which had some strange corollaries to Avatar Two. Yeah. Um, but I think this, like Avatar, did a much better job of just like final battle. It's not the what we've grown used to with Marvel and DC movies of just kind of like garbage CGI thrown in there at the end mm. for one final battle. Like he clearly tried to do like very distinctive, like visual moments. It's trying to be a little more co- like coherent of like this character comes over here, which means this character has to do this thing. And Like it is like you lose track of it because there's so much of it, but it at least felt like, I don't know. I just, at this part in Black Panther 2, when they're on this big boat and there's just like robots and blue people and everyone's kind of flying around, I was just like, I don't know what's happening. I <laughs> don't really care about this part of the movie at all. Yeah, that's um, fair. So I think I think there is something to be said for like higher production quality. More time was spent clearly on animating the visual parts of this movie to make it look better. Um, I think the high frame rate does contribute in this part, um, especially in the like hand to hand, like when 
Sully and Quaritch are fighting with like a knife or something, it it looked very different than mm. normal. Um, yeah, so I I think it was it was good. It wasn't like I don't think there's much from this that I am going to remember for a long time. No, but I think it was well done. Yeah, it was a fun experience, but yeah, I will give it one knock because, you know, we said we're used to Marvel and DC. They did flash it to nighttime for a classic CGI battle, CGI battle at night to make things easier. Uh, that is on, true, uh, folks. But yeah, uh, there was a lot going on. It was bombastic. It was hard to keep track, but that's that's kind of the point. Um, yeah. Man, cool. I, it was well, it's so obvious that son was gonna die. <laughs> it it was. It was coming from a mile away. And like I don't remember his name at all. No one's ever gonna remember him. Nope. Well, he might come back. <laughs> that's that's true. Um Yeah. Okay. Well we made it we made it through the plot. Um, are there any more big points you want to discuss from this, or do you want to get into box office stuff? I did cry at the very end where uh, Jake was talking to his son when it flashes between him as like a kid, then him growing up and being like, what's wrong, dad? And I don't know why, mm. but that just that got me in the feels, man. <laughs> uh, I do like I I really do think the family stuff is like it. I don't know. It it touches you a little bit. Like yeah. it, it does feel honest and real in a yeah. somewhat refreshing way. Yeah, uh, like in the after the first act when they're like trying to figure out what to do and Jake is trying to convince Natiri they need to leave. Like when his voice breaks and he's like, they had our children under their knife. I was like, yeah, you got to do something. And yeah, uh, I can I can, you know, tell that that really impacted them and stuff. So, yeah. I wonder how the dynamics going to change in Avatar 3. Uh, I guess we'll find out in 14 years. Yeah. Yeah, he says he's going to do one every two years, which I, okay, I think the third one will come out sometime in the next, I don't know, three or four years at least. Um, Because they supposedly shot most of it while shooting the second one. Jesus. Um, Which is because, I think it's mostly because Spider, since he's a human character, they can't have him age ten years before the next movie comes out because they want to keep them relatively the same age, which it sounds like four and five, if they ever happen, maybe there's a bit of a time jump there. So maybe it's okay to wait on those, but um, I feel like he's probably moving forward with three. Hmm. Okay. Well, good for you, spider. Yeah, I, uh, I am. Yeah. As curious as I was to see how this movie would, do and what the reaction would be to it i think i'm maybe more curious for the third one because if it is closer to this one it's like are people actually invested in these movies and in this world or was it just like this was kind of the reunion tour Mm. like let's all get back together and go see an avatar movie and everyone saw it and was kind of like yeah we didn't love the first one either um so yeah we'll we'll see i I think, like I said at the start, I think I had a great time watching this movie. I thought it was visually spectacular. Um, I think I was coming out pretty high on it. And the more I've like thought about it slash not thought about it, 
And the more conversations I have with people where it's like two sentences and then it's like, well, that's about all I've got to say about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, maybe there just wasn't much to this. And a simple movie is okay. It's okay to have a pretty simple, straightforward movie. I think it's just not going to be a great movie that people fondly look back on for years and years to come. No, I, I truly don't think it will. Um, I mean, only time will tell. And that's not to say it's bad. It's just sometimes you see a movie and you really are just there for that experience. And that experience alone, that's that's about it. Um, but yeah, let's start talking about box office. And again, this is just a snapshot in time because, you know, we're recording this January 30th. Sure, it has more money to make. Um, you know, I often forget that, like, the original Avatar is, like, the highest grossing movie of all time. Like, I... I feel like pretty I feel like pretty well informed on box office, but it's just it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. Not because it's bad, but it's just because like why Avatar, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's some of what we've been talking about, which I think can be seen as critiques is. It's pretty simple and pretty universal. Like, I think. One, I think international box office is the key to these. Absolutely. Like everywhere in the world, it's like Avatar is like one of their top movies, if not their top movie. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's because it's like it's mostly a visual story. And it's a pretty simple story that a lot of people can relate to. It's not something that's specific to like the US. It's not something that's specific to one I don't know, having this people group that is blue and is alien, it's like anyone can see themselves in that scenario, not just white people or, I don't know, a certain people group with a certain set of beliefs. So yeah. I think some of that does make it feel not as like specific and personal and memorable, but at the same time, it's like everyone can watch this and have a good time with it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the explanation I can think of, but I, it is it is crazy how much money these movies make. Yeah, Avatar sitting number one worldwide at two point nine billion. Insanity. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't it only get to that number after a re-release? Didn't, didn't they've Endgame... released it several times? Okay, yeah. okay. I thought and... Endgame made it to number one very briefly before Avatar came back and took the crown, um, but maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah, and I don't know, the, like the number one thing, the more you look into like inflation and stuff. it's. I like, don't want to do that. I, I'm a simple man. I want to go to Box Office Mojo and see what. Just like the, the number of is. dollars that it made. Yeah, yes. I, I get that. But I do think there's a little more to the story with it. And like, I don't know how much like the 3D and premium tickets play a part, because I think these movies more than any other people are seeing it in some mm. premium format. Because um, you feel like that's the way you're supposed to see it. Um, and you got people like me telling you you got to see it in 3D <laughs> HFR and a special theater. And yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's making a lot of money. It. Uh, I was going to see. Has it passed um, Top Gun for 2022? Uh, domestic? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Uh, so right now, Avatar is sitting at 785 million domestic, 
is closing the gap with Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, well, wow. yeah. Dang. Um, so yeah, and that's, I don't know, that that is kind of, because I feel like No Way Home and Top Gun both had groups of people that were kind of more diehard fans of the series or the genre and were going back multiple times to see it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there have got to be people like that for Avatar. I just don't know if I've ever talked to anyone that's like, I love Avatar. I just don't think, well, I don't say that. I don't want to say those people don't exist, but I have not encountered them. Is it Uh, just that like a vastly larger number of people have to see it once than either of those other two movies? Because that just seems like too much for me. Like there's got to be people going and seeing it multiple times i don't know i told you wrong a second ago i was looking at the original avatar (laughs) that's number four domestic avatar the way of water right now is number 11 domestically but it's right behind the avengers so it's about to crack the top 10 like okay in like three days that's Um, crazy yeah so yeah we'll see how far the way of water gets domestically because i think next month we're it's actually about to have some competition but i mean i saw it and there are plenty of people in theaters so you never know. Yeah. Um, okay. What else do we need to talk about with Avatar? I am curious to see what Avatar 3 does, but that's about it. Yeah. What um what other movies like this that are big tentpole movies do you know of on the horizon that you're like, I gotta go see this in theaters? Well, if we look at our release list for 2023, if I go to February and start to look at what movies are coming up, let's take a quick look. Um, people are saying that Knock at the Cabin is getting good reviews by M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night is is a director I cannot fully get behind, <laughs> so that's not something I think I'd be going out of my way to see. Yeah, um, he's all over the place. Uh, um. Yeah, so honestly, for me, like looking at all of next year, I don't immediately see, like, I think there's a lot of big releases coming out. I don't immediately see something that feels like it's going to do the kind of business that Avatar and Top Gun did this year. Well, the obvious contender has to be Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Which is crazy to me. I just like to, I don't think people love Ant-Man that much. And I know this is supposed to be kind of the next big, like, Marvel, like, they're kind of kicking off the Kang piece of this. Um, But I just feel like a lot of people are dropping off the wagon. I'm not particularly (laughs) excited for this movie. Um yeah, I don't know. The trailer to me does not have me that excited because it doesn't look like a quirky, fun Paul Red movie. Exactly. Looks... And that's the thing. I want Ant-Man to like stay on the periphery. I don't want him mm-hmm. fighting the next big bad. Mm-hmm. I just I like Ant-Man to be small. <laughs> and it made me a little <laughs> sad that I was like, I don't want to. I just I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but that being said, if we have to pick a movie for February, it does feel like it has to be Ant Man. It's probably Ant Man. Yeah. It's probably Ant Man. Yeah. And then there's about four movies I could pick from in March. So maybe okay. five, honestly. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, there's quite a few coming up, but I'm excited. I'm excited. We're gonna try to talk some more movies. Um, yeah, I I want to talk more about where I have Avatar two in my top ten of the year, but mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna take that conversation offline. Okay. <laughs> um, because I can't get into all the other movies on there and what I think of them. Mm, yes. Um, but curious to hear your thoughts on that, and we can pick it up with another conversation in February, hopefully. Yeah, we will be back in February talking probably mostly about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. But if you see the title of the episode, it says something different. Don't blame us. <laughs> Cocaine bear. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe we'll talk about that Winnie the Pooh movie that's coming out. <laughs> um, Blood and Honey, I think it's called. Something like that. Um, but yes, man, it's been good talking about movies again. I'm glad that we're back to doing this. And you, dear listener... You might have stuck with us through this in hiatus since I think it was like September of 2021. Um, if you have happened to stick with us this entire time, thank you. And we're back. Uh, <laughs> our show is going to look a little different release wise, but it's still, you know, DJ and Aaron talking about movies. And hopefully that's what you're into. Um we still have an email address. We that's do. Made- <laughs> I was going to ask, is it still open? Did Gmail it's boot still us? Open. I'm, I was struggling desperately to remember our outro. Um, but yeah, we like to talk about movies. If you have anything you'd like to discuss movie-wise over the past you know, time since we've been in hiatus, uh, if movies that you are suggesting uh, for us to watch in February instead of Ant-Man and the Wasp, something that might lead to an interesting conversation or something, let us know by shooting us something at mainlymoviespod at gmail.com. And I think that's it, right? How do you feel about 80 for Brady? So this is clearly like a, a counter-programming movie, but I'm like, for what, though? <laughs> it's for old women who love Tom Brady. And you know what? I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. If that's what they want to see, that's that's great. I don't it know. It just feels like a movie, movie made for a total of 200 people in the world. I think it's going to make a surprising amount of money. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Mainly movies 80 for Brady coming to you in February. I think that's it. <laughs> that's it. We'll see y'all next time. See ya. <laughs>